It's Friday, which means it's time for of Texas State Spit Talk. I'm your host, Reed Graff. Uh, we have uh, the usual crew to my left, Mark Brown. Hello, Straight everybody. Me, Brendan Snow to my right, Peyton. Wait, you're not Peyton. Hello. Welcome to the show, Ethan Hunt, one of the new guys here at KDSW. How you doing today, Ethan? Uh, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Hold on, Reed. You fooled me with that intro. <laughs> I thought you, you actually thought Peyton was here for a second. I'm, I'm that good. <laughs> I'm that good. Peyton, uh, he is doing his own thing. Of course, he is the voice of the... Uh, Blanco, I don't remember what they're called. What is Blanco? No idea. Um, no he's the idea. voice of Blanco. So he, he is the voice of the Blanco still, football team. I still swear it's Blanco. But, you, know. you can say that and everybody in Blanco <laughs> will fight you. Yeah. It's like, hey guys, welcome to Blanco. What? What'd you say? <laughs> Lots of football on Texas State Spit Talk this week. Um, we're going to start by talking, of course, Texas State football. Uh, this is a Texas State podcast after all, guys. Uh, so Texas State football, they're coming off of an opening loss, 35-7 to to Rutgers University out of the Big Ten Conference. Um, a lot of a lot of y'all kind of expected this is going to be kind of the way this game was going to go. I personally thought we'd be a little more competitive. The offense was really, really kind of a letdown. Just didn't really get any offense at all. Uh, Tyler, uh, Willie Jones, the third, started most of the game. Uh, and then in the last two drives, Tyler Vitt, the true freshman, came in. Um, we'll, talk, we'll get into what he did. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks today. Uh, but guys, going going around the table, what are some of y'all's biggest takeaways? I mean, of course, the secondary comes up with three interceptions. Cordell Rogers, now that he has both of his hands, because he spent a lot of last year playing with a broken hand, uh, looked really good at the quarterback position. Came up with a pick six. Uh, Mark, start with you. What are some of your just biggest takeaways as you watch that football game? Well, what I saw was there was there wasn't enough rushing yards. I believe that the O line should. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, obviously it was a Power Five team, so of course you're going to go against some talented players. But I believe that. If you can run the ball as much as you can pass the ball, you can win more games, and you can, you can also put some more points on the board because there was only a defensive touchdown by the Popcats. And then the offense, unfortunately, did not put any points on the board. And you had Willie Jones III as the leading rusher with 33 yards. And then starting running back Anthony Taylor had seven carries with a total of 32 yards, averaging 4.6 yards per carry. And there were no offensive touchdowns, like I said earlier. And there really wasn't enough receiving yards from the offense as well. So they definitely need to step up because defense did an excellent job, in my opinion. Just wasn't a lot of offense in general, I think. I mean, like you mentioned, Willie, Willie Jones ran for 16, 16. He gained 69 yards, but he also lost 36. So he, those, those went, the stats. he went back in fourth. Uh, Anthony Taylor had 30, had 32 yards, or like, like you mentioned, on seven carries. Caleb Twyford showed some things a little bit. We didn't. We knew he was going to get some play, um, but we weren't expecting him to be as big, big of an offense as big a part of the offense as he was week one. He also had three catches. Brendan, what are you thinking coming out of this game? Coming out of this game, you know, we're putting a lot of emphasis on the defense, saying they played well. And I guess to a degree they did. But Secondary played well. It, definitely. But at the same time, uh, Rutgers still kind of had their way. Rutgers had three players rush over 60 yards. So that's, you know, more in the front seven. For, uh, they had over 237 yards of the team, averaging almost five yards carry. The true freshman quarterback was 20 of 30, which doesn't look bad. 205 yards doesn't look bad. The touchdown. But then again, yeah, he threw the three picks. And that's one thing we, I know I highlighted last week on Bobcat Radio and the podcast saying they need to get after the true freshman, try to make him make mistakes. They did. He threw the three picks. He was sacked once. He was hurried twice. So once again, the front seven, good job pass rushing, I think. Uh, But the way the run defense played worries me because that was one of their strengths last year. So I'm not feeling – after that first game, I'm just a little worried about the run defense. I want to see how they bounce back this week. 
Yeah, of course, you know, the run defense, we, we heard from Brant and Bill during the call. The Bobcats were just missing tackles left and right. Um, just weren't really playing the solid run defense you'd expect from a team with a linebacking core is our strength. Um, Ethan, first time on the Texas State Spit Talk. Welcome to the show. Uh, what are your, some of your takeaways from game one? Um, like he was saying, the running game. Uh, I know I really struggled with the running game last year, too. But um, come with this, I think the biggest thing I took away was uh, team morale after this. Uh, Coach Withers was surprisingly enthusiastic after the, the loss to the Power 5 team. And I think... We did, I think Coach Withers probably went in having an expectation, you know, if we, if we beat this program, it's going to be a huge win for, for, for our football team. But I, I, I think he full, fully expected um, – I, I think the offense really disappointed him. But besides that, like, he was very, like, enthusiastic in the, during the interview. And it, it didn't really hit me – it didn't really hit me that it's like a panic button or anything. He was just like, yeah, it happened, and I think our team's good, and I think we can still play this year. So. Yeah, one of the things he said is he felt that his team didn't look out of place and that they mm-hmm. held their own, specifically his defense. Um, so that's definitely a boat of confidence. One of the things I want to highlight from the game, um, we played pretty well against a Power 5 offense. Uh, now, it is Rutgers, but Rutgers is still better competition. It would probably yeah. beat the majority of the teams that we're going to see in the Sun Belt, maybe not Appalachian State. Yeah. Oh. Say, oh. But, uh, but definitely, they, definitely they, would, they would compete. Um so that, that, that brings up the question. And also, your defense was on the field a lot more than your offense was. So mm-hmm. you have to keep that in mind whenever you tally up how many yards they gave up and stuff like that. Um, I have this in the notes, guys. If they play this well against a uh, Power 5 team, and when I say well, they played they, – they did well enough for Coach to say they looked like they belonged there. So – you have to give him credit for that. Well, how many picks did they have? They, they had, had three. Three picks. One yeah. and one of them by the true freshman Jerron Morris out of West Orange, and the other two came from sophomore Cordell Rogers. So excellent uh, game by him. We hadn't had a pick since 2016, if that tells you anything. So <laughs> three in the first game—that's big. Do you think this dominance can continue going through Sun Belt play? I know obviously Appalachian State's going to be tough. They gave uh, ranked Penn State a run for their money. Troy beat LSU last year. Sorry, Brendan. So they're always going to be solid. Um, what are your guys' thoughts going? Do you think this is a defense that could potentially be very, very good when it comes to conference play? Or do we need to see them play against a weaker opponent this week against Texas Southern and then really dominate? What are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, I definitely believe they'll be able to hold their own against most teams in Sun Belt, including Appalachian State. Or Appalachian State, excuse me. Yeah, don't get uh, that wrong. Coach yeah. <laughs> will jump on you. But uh, I guess the takeaway from the defense is they just definitely need to focus a little bit harder because I noticed uh, – the linebacking core, well, it's against a Power 5 team. They struggled a little bit and couldn't really stop the run against the Rutgers. But, uh, they, see, if they if they bring in the same mentality towards Texas Southern, I believe that they'll dominate Texas Southern, like, hands down. But I don't want to get too, too excited because the game hasn't started yet. But I do have high hopes of the defense dominating Texas Southern's offense. They should dominate Texas Southern. Yeah. It's an FCS team. If we have a 97% win per- win chance on according to ESPN, so even ESPN is giving us <laughs> the win here. I need I need to see more a few more games out of the defense for I think that much of it. Like I said, I wasn't impressed with the run defense. They're going against a true freshman quarterback making his first career collegiate start after playing IM, after being a backup IMG Academy last year. So he didn't have many reps even previously. Mm-hmm. So that kind of Worried me that he still had a decent game, even with the picks. I, I just got to see more because there are good teams in Sun Belt. Uh, Hanson and Arkansas State, he's a real NFL quarterback that they have over there. Appalachian State, they have real players. Like you said, Troy, 
there are solid teams in the Sun Belt that worry me. I want to see how they do early. You know, you get Texas Southern this week, then you get UTSA the week after, you get your bye week, and then you get family weekend home game against ULL. And I think that UL the ULL game is really obviously you know being the first conference that's an game one. being the first conference game. But I think that's one game I'll probably take the most away out of from the first four games. You could argue that there are next three games that are all winnable in a way. Yeah. Like they're you're not playing teams where you're like, man, they they scare me, man. That's you know that that's you know Rutgers and Power Five. I mean, of course, Rutgers isn't normally a scary team, but for us maybe it is. But um, you know that we're not playing Arkansas. You're not the Texas A&M Aggies. You're not playing Clemson and Alabama in the next two weeks. So I think. Texas Southern, you could almost you would think is a, is a markdown win. UTSA, it's always competitive uh, unless it's the second half of last year. I'm gonna say, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, but I, I think we're gonna be a better team this year. I, I I do agree with you. I think this three game stretch is important in uh, kind of seeing where we're at. Uh, if we come into Louisiana Lafayette in that home game and they just run the floor with us, all of a sudden I'm concerned we may not win a Sun Belt game other than maybe Coastal Carolina. But if they don't play Coastal this year. They don't play Coastal? Good. Uh, <laughs> so there goes our one guaranteed Sunbelt win. Uh, but if you um, beat Louisiana, then all of a sudden you're like, man, we might be pretty good. Because Louisiana is traditionally, they're, they're not necessarily a powerhouse, but they're usually at least competitive. Yeah, they come out. So that's a game that I do agree with you on that. That was a good point. I'm glad you brought that up, uh, that Louisiana Lafayette game is big as far as how competitive we're going to be within the Sunbelt. Um I still think our, our, our defense is going to be okay. The run defense is not going to be that bad all year long. It's just there's no way that's sustainable. You have Dean Taylor was pretty much absent in the game. He's going to have better games than that. Brian Lennon still led the team in tackles, although I did see him miss a few tackles at points. But he's an NFL-type guy. I don't think he's going to have games like that consistently. Uh, and you got to give it to Blackshear of Rutgers. He had a good game. I mean, he was making guys mix. He was making guys miss. So you got to give him that credit. That's a move the offensive side of the ball. Texas State, of course, Willie Jones got his first career start. I don't want to. He looked like he was making his first career start. Let's just be honest. He, at times, he looked a little flustered. I don't think he read the defense very well at times. Um, showed some things with his feet. Needs to learn how to control the ball when he's running with it. <laughs> uh, but at times, I mean, he, he showed that he could be a true dual threat. He trucked a defender at one point. Uh, showed really good wheels. I also wasn't super disappointed in what I saw from Tyler Vitt. Tyler Vitt, other than the one bad – where the ball went right through his hands on the snap, which is a big mistake. Don't get me wrong. But uh, other than that, I think he did fairly well. I mean, three for five, about 20 yards. He didn't look overwhelmed. He stayed – he had good pocket presence. I liked what I saw from Vitt. Uh, that brings the question – obviously, Willie Jones is going to start this week. Um, if he struggles against Texas Southern – does that open the door for Tyler Vitt or Jalen Gibson to potentially steal that job? I don't Brandon, know. If you're shaking your head no. Willie, Willie Jones has a long leash. Willie Jones is ever with this guy. I, I think for a few games, I'm not going to say no matter what he did, but what? how long did we stick with Damian Williams last year? How long are we asking for a new quarterback? He sticks with this guy. He doesn't want to have that carousel at QB. And I guess according to that, at the press conference this past Monday, Coach Withers uh, answered Kev's question that Willie Jones is a starter, clearly. And without him, he's like, who else am I going to start? That's what he asked. So they're definitely putting their hopes in. They're investing into Willie Jones III. But Tyler Vitt did step it up, just like Reed said. And I think Tyler Vitt, I mean, he's only he's only a true freshman, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So if he if he's stepping up like this and they give him some more reps, I believe that he can uh, become a threat, possible threat in the future. Rutgers QB, that was his first game, wasn't it? It was. So, like, I think from this past game, you have the tale of two quarterbacks where you have quarterback coming in 
um, Texas State, now as good as a program as Rutgers, you know, against a Power 5 uh, team, coming in underperforming in some eyes, but also, you know, I think it, he, it was understandable um, against the defense he went up against. And then you have a Rutgers QB who came in who didn't have, who had expectations to beat Texas State, and then he came out and did that. But he also picked up three interceptions, you know. So I think it's hard to tell from week one about anything, um, defense, offense, and all that. But because, I mean, how many times have we seen in, in the – like where you have like I mean it's you it's been USC the past couple of years where they're ranked at like number five number four at the <laughs> start of the season and then they go five and five or, or six and six or whatever during the season they they barely eke out a bowl game so mm-hmm. I think that I think that he if he he needs to come in um, this next game he needs to start completing some passes get get his confidence up and then you know Texas Southern you know try to tear him apart well, get points. Answer, like, questions I, I like that point right there because Withers said, I believe in, the, I think it was in the press or Monday, uh, talking about they got he, he thought he put too much on Willie Jones's plate, which I don't know about that. Uh, Sitowski, the true freshman for Rutgers, he had plenty on his plate and he didn't you know shy away from it. Willie Jones completing just seven out of twenty passes, mm-hmm. seventy nine yards. I don't know if that was too much on his plate or he like we saw Vic come in. He got easy throws. He three yeah. five, 21 yards. It was easy throw. You know, a simple cross the middle, a drag, something nice and easy, nice and easy. We didn't see as much of that from Willie Jones. For Willie Jones, it was setting up maybe a few screens. The all the times we saw him, the QB draws. He led the team in rushing attempts, which I don't think your quarterback should lead the team in rushing attempts. When I hear your run he for his team, double the rushing attempts in the second guy. Yeah, uh, yeah film doesn't lie. So if he, if uh, Vit continues to do that, it'll show. Uh, I said this earlier about Cat Radio. Whereas Tyler Watts, he's the best receiver. He doesn't record a catch. You have to find the way to put the ball in Tyler Watts' hands somehow, whether you're getting him screens, him slants, just something. Just get chemistry. Get a groove going between your quarterback and your receivers. Yes. You can't just have this every time the ball snaps, the quarterback's going to run it, and if he's going to throw it, we have no idea where it's going. you got to have a guy you trust. And I don't know, after the first game, it's not evident that he trusts anyone. I'm sure he'll you know grow with someone over the season, and this would be the game to get that going. Yeah, exactly. Let me present this to you. Let's say we get through this week UTSA and we go to Louisiana Lafayette, okay? Let's say Willie Jones throws for 200 yards, two touchdowns against Texas Southern this week, right? That's a pretty good game. Then he goes to UTSA, has a game similar to what he had against Rutgers, you know, eight for 25, 80 yards, and then two interceptions, right? Um, How confident – if that happens, if he continues this trend of just not really putting together good outings – um, and, and, and I don't want to call it a trend because this is his first start. Um, so let me take the word trend back. But let's say we get week four against Louisiana. We're starting Sunbelt play. And Willie still hasn't been able to find a groove. I personally think Tyler Vitt's the best quarterback on the roster just talent-wise. I think he's, he's the biggest guy. He's put up the biggest numbers in high school. Uh, he seems to be the most fundamental. Uh, I, I, think Willie, I think Tyler Vitt... And when it's all said and done, out of the three, he's going to end up being the best quarterback. Um, maybe by, by the end of their Bobcat careers. Personally, that's just how I feel. I think from what I've seen of tape, and we really haven't seen a lot of Jalen Gibson either. We kind of forget about him. Uh, he was a really big, big recruit coming out of high school. We, we thought all spring camp he was going to be the number two. Uh, but apparently it was Tyler Vitt, as we learned at the presser. Um, I don't know. I, you have to keep that in mind. If, if, if uh, Willie Jones continues to struggle in the next few weeks, uh, I don't know how you can cement him as your well, starter after three or four weeks. Well, let's not forget Willie Jones played most of the game last year against UOL on the road. 
in Lafayette. He did look not too and bad yeah, in that one. In that game, he went 12 of 18, 197 yards, no touchdowns, did throw one pick, was sacked four times, you know all about the Texas State line. But then once again, led the team in attempts with 14 and yards with 82 on the ground. And that's, I, you know, that, I think that's what right there with us is like, yeah, that's how I know this is my guy of the future. He almost gave you, gave he pretty much almost gave you 300 yards of offense, turned the ball over once. So we showed he has that potential even in Sunbelt play. So I'm not worried too much. I think he's going to get it together. I don't think Willie Jones is going to be a dominant quarterback, no. But I think he's going to be what Withers wants, just enough to keep the offense in order, uh, not turn the ball over too much, and uh, not almost, almost, like, almost like a game manager, but he has the explosive ability, obviously, with his legs. Uh, but he's going to do what Withers wants out of the offense and move the change, just don't take too much out of week one against Rutgers. See, that's where I'm, I, I think we differ a little bit. I think... I don't agree with you saying Willie Jones is kind of a game manager where he's good enough. I think Tyler Vitt has a chance to be very good, and that's why I'd much rather see him but, get ready. But is he ready? First snap he saw last week went over his head into the end zone. Well, for, for sure, but then he settled down and went three for five, three, making some good throws. I, I just uh, – it, it, it's really too early to – Exactly. The play calling was different for the two quarterbacks. It, it'll be too. time will tell. It'll be time will tell. But the thing is, if the play calling is different, what if the play calling when you call it with Vitt in there, throwing the slant routes, letting him air it out – works better than trying to run the ball a lot with Willie Jones. I don't know. All of this is time will tell type stuff, and we'll just have to keep an eye on it as the season goes. Speaking of keeping it on as the season goes, we're looking forward to this weekend. Texas Southern coming in, a game we'd expect to win. They're coming in 1-0 after beating UT Permian Basin 26-16. to um, Texas Southern is two, coming off of a 2-9 and nine season. Last year they lost to Houston Baptist pretty badly, which is a team we beat a year ago. Barely. Barely. Uh, barely, <laughs> we, we but we, but we did that. beat them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Texas Southern is coming in with some D1 talent, though. Their quarterback is a, is a graduate transfer from the University of Tulane. Uh, they have some running backs who have seen playing time. So, But my question f- to you guys is this. If, if they come in and it's a Houston Baptist all over again where we just barely nudge them out by a touchdown, are you disappointed? Because I, personally, I think we need to win by three touchdowns or, or, let, or more, right? Otherwise, I'm really disappointed and I'm concerned. Yeah, if, if uh, Texas Southern gives them a fight, then that, that'll definitely be a problem because going into conference play, you don't know what to expect. I mean, hopefully it won't end up like last season. And, uh, yeah, that'll definitely be a problem. I just, I just really hope that Texas, uh, the offense and defense really makes up for what they did last week, especially the offense. Like, the offense needs to definitely improve. That's what we're worried about. And I'm pretty sure they can definitely put up some numbers against Texas Southern. Look, but, I, I'm pinning this game up <clears> against in 2016 when Bobcats once again went 2-10. and 10, and that was the the year the roster was, you know, still a bunch of guys Withers didn't know. It was Tyler Jones and all these guys. They're not even on the roster anymore. The 2-10 and 10 team, they won that first game against Ohio in the double, triple overtime. And then the other, only other win was an FCS win at home against Incarnate Word. I was there. It was family weekend. It's all game. My dad. They blew, they, they blew out Incarnate Word. They, it was 50-something like 14. Uh, that's what I'm putting this game up to. They, I think they have to have a showing like that. Because if a team at that point was able to put up, you know, that game... They should be able to do it here. You would think we're a lot better. Exactly. Now we're, now we're to the point where every maybe well, the QB's not as good. Tyler Jones was a fine QB. He was a very good quarterback, and I think that his last few years were a little bit wasted because of the O line. He was getting sacked like five times a game. Uh. Um, so it's really hard to hate on Tyler Jones. But I do agree with you. I think you need to show out, especially offensively, because you have all these fans 
that watched that Rutgers game and saw your offense just absolutely terrible. And they're thinking, well, why should I watch this season? We don't have an offense. I think the offense needs to show out this week against Texas yeah. Southern. They need to make some crazy plays. Let's throw the ball up to Jehovah Coppins and make him let him go up there and make a toe-touch grab, you know? Give the ball to Anthony Taylor and let him truck linebackers. Just get the fans excited, drop 50 on these guys, and let's go and beat yeah. the crap out of UTSA. And I feel like um, Coach Withers, you know, came into this program. He's had a couple years to really, like, you know, clear out, clear out the old staff, clear out the old guys, get his guys in, get his recruited guys in. And really start building off of that. I think this this year is the year where he's like, okay, this is what I've developed. This is what I present. And I mean, of course, you know, it's always going to be it's always going to be difficult. But like, this is this is this is who I've recruited. And last year, they I think last year they always had moments like, especially during the HBU game. I remember I don't remember like our defense um, kept stopping him, and our offense just couldn't capitalize on that. And like, we had chances multiple chances and we just couldn't ever find that click and I feel like this game gives them that opportunity to find that click and then Withers can present his full product and hopefully then you can start making run into the season you know go to UTSA beat UTSA um, and then just game after game after game. And Tyler Watts he's a veteran here and then he said during the I guess the first media day on the 12th last month he said that this summer workout session was probably the best that he's ever seen mm -hmm. and uh, especially from the new recruits and then going off of that I believe Withers has brought in more scholarship players this season compared to his he, previous he's, he's almost filled up all scholarships. Yeah. They yeah. Have, so you have a maximum of 85. He had about 63 last year. This year they're up to 76. That's and they're hoping difference. to be above 80 going into next season. That's awesome. And, uh, and if you talk to a lot of the people here in San Marcos that cover Texas State Athletics, guys like Kef Chardello, you know, Nick Castillo, they'll all tell you that next year is the year that you really need to keep an eye on the Bobcats. Next year is the year that if they if they develop this year, Next year's year, they could be competing for a Sun Belt championship. Uh, that might be pushing a little bit, uh, but I think this is a year we need to see improvement. There's no ifs, ands, or buts what, about it. What what record? So like, what record? Do you, like, is it, so they come out the season with um, you know three games? They won three games. Do you consider that a successful, successful season, or do you think there needs to be more than? This is one of those years where the win loss record isn't as important to me. I just want to see. I need to see our offense get better from week one to week four. I need to see. You know, I need to see guys like Cordell Rogers have big games like this all throughout the year. Uh, Jerron Morris, the freshman that came with the quarterback, I need to see him get better from week one to week eight. Uh, so this year is a lot more about progression and how competitive the games are instead of wins and losses. That's kind of where I'm at going into well, this year. I was on the point, talk about this. Are we going to see that? Because it just feels like Withers keeps babying his guys. He doesn't let his athletes go make plays. He at least offensively. Exactly, offensively. He's not throwing the ball downfield. He didn't even, you know, last year when the offense started actually scoring points late in the season, we saw a lot of trick plays. Granted, he might be saving those for, you know, four conference plays, saving his reverses and his double reverse passes to where Hutch White is out there throwing passes. Uh, but, I want, yeah, I, want, I just want to see that. I want to see his him let his players go out there and play football and be athletes. I think one of the toughest things last season, a lot of his big athletes that came in were freshmen. Um, a lot of prone to mistakes. I remember watching the UTSA game being right by the end zone. And it was during it was first half. We were, we were coming out. You know, we weren't doing terrible. And he had a wide open receiver. He threw down the ball and it went straight through his hands. <laughs> and so, like, I think Withers is. Um, I feel like he's like last season with all those freshmen and stuff, all those mistakes that kind of happened. Um, I think this year he's he's got to slowly move to that. You know, um, I, I, I Rutgers. Um, I think conservative offensive play calling. Would you say? Definitely week one. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the things that, that stood out to me all throughout spring camp and summer was that the wide receivers were making these amazing plays yeah. and they were so athletic. 
That's what I want to see this week against yeah, Texas Southern. Exactly. I'll let our athletes be athletes. You know, what are the repercussions? I mean, uh, you have the offense where if you th- make a big play and, they, and you throw an interception, you have the defense that can get you the ball back. So go out there, test the limits. I want to see – let our athletes be athletes. That's what I want to see this week. I agree with Brendan. I, I think we need to win by at least 20 points, or I'm a little disappointed yeah. going into this week's game. Um, I want to move on to San Marcos football, of course uh, – Brendan and I call those games. Ethan, you were there last week doing some reporting, some yep. tweeting for us. So you saw, you got to see them play. They came up on the short end of things against their former rivals, trying to renew that rivalry, the Hayes Rebels. Uh, they lost twenty-eight to seventeen. The Hayes were running the slot T offense. Everything happened within the hash marks, and they just physically dominated San Marcos uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And then on the offense, it seemed like for the first two quarters, they struggled to get a groove going with the new quarterbacks. Uh, they didn't have their star running back, Jamon Johnson, in. So, Brendan, when you look back at that game, what are some of your takeaways as far as how the Rattlers played? And did they adjust the way you wanted to see? Where was their physicality where you wanted to see it? Uh, let's start with defensively. What what were some of your biggest takeaways on the defensive side of the ball for the Rattlers? Well, like I said last week, I didn't take too much away from it because they're not going to see a team like that again that puts out basically eight linemen and three running backs. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the defense, yeah, it was a good running game from Hayes. They consistently got yards. didn't really have a lot of negative plays, but they also never really had the big play. They never had the big 50-yard touchdown When they ran run. that sweep, they got pretty good yardage, but once Sam Marcus but, did a good job of adjusting to that. But it felt like everything was either, you know, a little at least a, at least a two-yard pickup and at the most, on average, maybe a 15-yard pickup. It was just everything was close. Uh, I think the defense is on the field too yeah. long, and they weren't getting help from their offense. Uh, it just feels like uh, Hayes capitalized on San Marcos' uh, mistakes. Like, they did a really good job about capitalizing on the interceptions, the fumbles. I think, how many fumbles were there in that game? Like, <laughs> when you run the ball that much, fumbles, yeah, a lot, of, like that? a lot yeah. of balls are on the ground. There was, it was insane and I think San Marcos like their defense like you said they're not going to see another team like that that's a very specific team that's a very specific way they run the ball I remember in high school we played against somebody like that and they they killed us because I mean you don't like you're not you're not playing against that team every week you know you're playing against it's not and it's not a it's not a district team you know they mm-hmm. don't they don't have to worry about Hayes later it was such a weird matchup that San Marcos usually runs a 3-4 uh, they switched to a 4-3 for that game because yeah. they knew oh, they had to get different. more people they, in the box and, and you know their best de- are probably the best player in the secondary, the cornerback Javier Gonzalez. He doesn't get to be on the field for eighty-five percent of the game because there's no receiver for him to guard. There's no one for him to cover. He's a he's a small guy. He's a strict coverage guy. He's not much in the tackling. So I take him out, put an extra linebacker in, put an extra lineman in. It's just weird when you you can't have your pretty much best defensive players on the field. That's why I'm looking for it. Johnson. They run the ball a lot too. They didn't throw the ball well at all last week. They were two of fourteen between their two quarterbacks, two interceptions. They do uh, run a little more spread type of an offense. Exactly, from the film so, that I've seen. They they come out of the shotgun a lot. So, so. I, I think San Marcos be a little relieved to see that their linebackers. Once again, they had to see it a lot. What's his name? The uh, there's a linebacker. I forgot his name. Where to go? Andrew Alonzo. We didn't talk about him at all. Reed. I didn't even realize this. Talking the stats the next day. He he tallied twenty four total tackles, three solo, twenty one assisted. He was there on every play. 24 tackles he got credited for. That's really good. Because that's what St. Marcus linebackers preach. They get their gang gang tackling. They It's never, oh, that one player made the tackle. It's, oh, those rattlers made the tackle. It was a, a wall of rattlers. And that, that really showed, and I think that's what helps them best with their run defense. They play like that. Everyone get to the ball. Uh, so they can shut down Johnson's run early. I think they can win this game. And do you believe that knowing that Jamon Johnson was uh, absent last week, 
Uh, do you believe if he's playing this week? I don't know if you guys know if he's playing this week or not. Say if he is, do you think that'll make a huge difference? Ab- no. Absolutely. Yeah. Jamal Johnson, yeah. the game changer, sure. three thousand yard rusher. <laughs> and I was gonna, I was gonna adjust to the offensive side. I mean, um, there's a lot of change for that for the San Marcos going into offense this year. They they have a lot of their main receivers back. Um, Takai Magic looked really good week one. He played, made some plays. He's normally a receiver. Played a little bit of running back. Made a big play. Myson Williams was pretty consistent. Made some good plays. Um, when you get Jamon Johnson back there, not only does it help your run game, it has to give your young quarterback some confidence. I mean, because both quarterbacks, I think uh, Garcia looked a little, I don't want to say scared, but he looked like he was making his first varsity start the first quarter and a half or so. Once he settled in and started running the ball more, I think he was more comfortable carrying it than he was throwing it. Um, I want to see him. That, I want to see them let him loose a little bit more. Let him throw the ball, throw the slants, get it to your tight end. They have a really good tight end. Uh, get the throw the ball down the field to Magic. Let the quarterback loose, and if you get Jamon Johnson back in there, let's just dominate offensively. I think that they felt like they were a little bottled up against Hayes. They just let that let that cap off and put some yeah. points on the board. Yeah, San Marcos ran the ball a total of nineteen times last week. Jamon Johnson gets at least 19 carries a game by himself. Uh, that's, he, that's he, he, he completely doubles up their their running production. And what I like to, what I'm going to be excited for this year when when he comes back. If once again we don't have no idea what happened, haven't talked to Soto yet. Uh, I missed him a few times this week. They didn't have a second playmaker like they do. Like they did. They don't have a. They didn't have a second player, second playmaker last year like they do now in Takai Magic. They didn't have a player like that. Elijah Edwards was a solid receiver on the outside. Myson Williams is kind of perfectly filling that Elijah uh, uh, Edwards role. Well, they had Prudy. Yeah, Prudy and Prudy. Prudy yeah. was a whole other player. Uh, yeah, other than the quarterback, absolutely. I kind of missed on Prudy. But yeah, second you know playmaker other than the quarterback like that to help your quarterback not have to be Prudy and run for 200 yards a game. Uh, so I think that could be... Big time for them when they get both of them back, a little two-headed thing, almost pretty much three weapons. You have Jamon in the backfield, and you can have Takai doing whatever lined up outside in the backfield with you and Myson Williams. They have some weapons set offensively. Just got to get the QB comfortable, and I I think they'll be all right in a few weeks. It's just, you know, early season, yeah. get these, you know, the bad games out of the way and learn. One of the things I noticed is that San Marcos uh, Rattlers have – they have a lot of athletes. They really do. Um, uh, the receiving core, I saw a couple of really good receivers. Um, and they, they like, the, the points that they scored, it was, uh, there was one off a of circus play, which was an athletic <laughs> play. But they had a, the, the yards they gained that game, um, it was all, it was almost all exclusively because of these, like, they're just going out there, you know, being athletic um, and making guys miss and getting, getting that, like, good chunky yardage. And, that's where their main offense came from, and so I think uh, next week, if you know San Marcos or uh, can, or I guess today, I guess technically Friday, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, if they can, if they can put that together, and again, like if the running, uh, the running back comes back, that's like you, you're golden there. You got you got a great team. We'll be interesting to see what the deal was with Garcia. We saw him go down late at the end of that game with an injury. Didn't look serious. He walked off with under his power. Maybe had a, had a little bit of a limp. Uh, can't remember. Dream came on. Pretty much had the similar uh, day as Tyler Vitt. He went three of five, but only for ten yards. Even threw some shorter passes, uh, and Car- and got sacked once and lose three yards. We're interesting to see if you know Garcia is out there fully one hundred percent tonight, or we're gonna see a little bit more Cameron Vadreen. Maybe is that something Soto's still exper- experimenting with, kind of in the pre you know the non district games? Is he experimenting with which quarterback is gonna be the guy going forward? 
So looking forward to that tonight and see who we see under center most of the game. Yeah, I enjoyed watching Alex. I think Alex Garcia is going to be a pretty good quarterback. Uh, I think he just has to work the ins and outs, get that, get him more confidence. It was his first career start, but I, for the most part, I was happy with what I saw from him. He's got decent size, throws the ball pretty confidently, so I was pretty happy with what I saw from him. My, what, and with what little recruiting I've done for Johnson High School so far, they have pretty good size. They have some playmakers. They are replacing a big-time quarterback they lost a year ago, similar to the Rattlers. But um, some of the keys to beating them, I mean, they lost a big rivalry game to Brandis High School this past week. So they're going to be coming in. It, it, it could be two ways. They could be coming in kind of down on themselves, thinking, man, we lost that rivalry game, uh, similar to what the Rattlers might have been. But they also could be coming in thinking, well, let's just bounce back and dominate. So I think it's going to be a physical game. Uh, Johnson has some good size. They come out of San Antonio, a lot of good football in San Antonio. Um, oh, what, let's just get, get some predictions in there, Brendan. What, uh, what are your? I think we're going to win today. I, I, I hope San Marcos pulls this one out. If they don't, I'm really concerned going forward. Um, but I think this is definitely one they win. I'm going to throw a number out there, 34-21. It's honestly around the area I'm thinking. I, was, uh, I think they're going to score a lot more points in 17 like they did last week. Uh, they didn't even run a lot of plays last week because the ball control was just so heavy in Hayes' favor. So Marcus had the ball more. Uh, we see uh, we're gonna see we're gonna see some more big plays. We didn't see you know we saw a big kick return out of Magic. We saw the tipped pass that got the Mason Williams hands and he scored that long touchdown. We saw a long touch another long touchdown to Magic. But that was it. You know it was those three big plays. I think we're gonna see more of that. Uh, I was leaning around thirty. I think I think I think they put up five touchdowns. I think they could up thirty five. Uh, and with Johnson's offense, yeah, thirty five. About twenty four, maybe twenty seven. I think it'll be a little closer. So 35-27. And I guess, do you guys believe that the Hayes Rebels were arguably like the best team they'll face all season or no? Um, no, not even close. They're oh, going to be one of the best, maybe? like Smithson Valley, Ooh, okay. Steel. Maybe one of the best running teams. Maybe one, yeah, <laughs> one, of the, one, of the, one of the best time management teams. They're not going to face a team similar to that again this season. Um, I want to go ahead and transition back to Texas State Athletics. Texas State Volleyball, Woo. interesting week for them. They went and dominated the Bobcat Creeds and Crest Classic. Um, they did amazing at that tournament. They really did. Madison Daigle picked up Defensive Player of the Week. Emily DeWalt, the new setter, won Freshman of the Week. Uh, so some big games for them. Uh, Daigle, she's a middle blocker. She was named Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week. Um, and I was actually misspoken. Emily DeWalt won both Sunbelt Setter of the Week and Freshman of the Week honor. So she was a big week for her. Um Madison Daigle in the game I called volleyball last year was against UTSA. She can absolutely dominate a game. I mean, she can just simply take it over. Um, and I think they're, they're, they're on the cusp of being a very good team. I still think they're going to dominate the Sun Belt. They did come up short three, in three sets to none against Texas this past week. Um, they're, gonna, they're going to be taking on Kentucky. Is that what it is, Kentucky, here in town this later this weekend? Six, it's going to be a big one. 16th rank on Saturday, 4 o'clock. Yeah. That's going to be a big one. They're going to definitely need the Bobcat fan base there to help them in Strayan Arena. Um, make sure you're there for that one. That one, you can you can attend that and then head right over to the football stadium and, and catch the Bobcats football game. So uh, hit that duo up. But guys, what are y'all thinking going into – because, I mean, they have some pretty big games coming up. Kentucky, Saturday, UTSA, next Tuesday. Then they, have, then they go to the Sparky Classic in Phoenix where they take on Gonzaga, Northern Arizona, Arizona State before coming back and starting off Sunbelt play. Where, where, what are y'all's thoughts on the team right now? Where do they sit currently 5-4? and four. Uh, What are y'all thinking? We'll start with you, Mark. Well, I believe that if they play Kentucky t- pretty tough, then uh, they definitely have a, a big seat 
in the Sun Belt Conference because uh, we do have a lot of veterans on the team. We have, like, all-star players like Madison Daigle. And you look at going off of, uh, I mean, true freshman. No yeah. She's forgotten about. Yeah, and then you also have true freshman Emily DeWalt. I mean, she's stepping up. Cheyenne Husky, a transfer from Florida. Yeah, yeah so we have some key players. Dinwiddie, Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, We got some key players that can step up and, uh, you know, just run it in. But for as far as Kentucky, that'll be a tough game. But you also we're playing them, we're hosting them, so uh, hopefully, hopefully they step it up. I think the volleyball team can do a very good job this year. Here's where I am on that. Similar to last year, volleyball are it, they're beating the teams they're kind of supposed to beat. They're beating teams that are you know, oh maybe they're about the same beating them. They can be the best team in the Sun Belt Conference. They lose the Sun Belt Championship last year, the Coastal. So they can be the best team in this conference. But they're not giving me the big-time wins for me to trust them to do anything more. They already lost number 16, Baylor. Uh, they just they lost three sets to zero. Then they play number six, Texas. They lose three sets to zero. Now they're playing number 16, Kentucky. Until I see them win one of these big games like this, I can't put full trust in them to be a true national contender rather than just a Sunbelt team. And uh, going off your point, we're talking about they can dominate the Sun Belt. Uh, I watched the UT game last night um, against, uh, or yeah, against UT. <laughs> and um, the commentators there for the Longhorn Network even talking about that, how uh, Texas State, like watching them play, they were like, they're a very good team. They're, they come out and they're definitely going to win the Sun Belt. But besides that, they're, they're, you know, they're at a point where they can, they can step it up, they can win. But like when it comes to situations, can they win those big, uh, those big games? And like, you know, at the start of the season um, was a rough. I think we what, we didn't win the game for four games straight, or didn't we, what happened? Yeah, yeah. They started yeah. out own own. They started out own three technically, and yeah, they also start. lost the yeah. exhibition game. But. Yeah, so that that was really tough. But um, uh, I was at the U, at the UTSA game as well, and they really rallied behind that, and they came out and they, they really they they dominated them. UTSA they completely dominated them, um, and so you know UT again. That's a very tough. Contender, <laughs> um, there. I remember the Long <coughs> Network talking about um, how they have a 17 year old who graduated high school early so she could play volleyball, <laughs> and she, she like watching her hit it. Like I think she could kill somebody with a volleyball. <laughs> um, but again, like I, I do predict. I think they can definitely win some belt this year, 100. Um, it's just again the question: Can they hit that next, the next step? So this game against Kentucky is a big game. I think oh. we all agree on that. Yeah. As far as are we. Anything more than a Sun Belt contender? Look, look, if they get swept again, I'm not gonna be feeling good at all. At least, it, at least post can, Sun Belt. I'd love to see them win the game, obviously, but can they at least get me a set? Since they have, since they didn't take a set against Texas or Baylor, two ranked teams, or LSU or Marquette in that series, yeah. take now, a set, they, take maybe two sets. What if they take in two to three sets? You think that uh, they have a shot? Right there, that's great. I, I'd be, I'd, so. I'd be a little more happier. Honestly. I would, but like I said, they just haven't been winning the big games and. I don't know how much you can, how much I can trust them if they're not going to do that. Yeah, for me. and and Kentucky's actually playing Texas before us. Um, they're coming in, I think, next week. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what they were talking about last night about how they have Kentucky at home, and then um, so they're going to be coming off of a big game against Texas, and they're going to be coming to us. And I think, yeah, know, the, the Kentucky plays Texas tonight. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, depending on that game, if Kentucky went, you know, beats Texas, their their confidence is going to be real high coming in here. <laughs> We're definitely going to be underdogs then. Um, but if they come off a loss against Texas, they're going to be seeking retribution for that loss, you know. So um, I think depending on what happens in that game and you watch Kentucky and see how they do, uh, Texas State's going to have to adjust to like what their game plan is going to be with that. Okay, guys, this wasn't on the uh, schedule, but I can't help but talk about this. I want to talk about some college football in, in the area. 
not too far from us is College Station, and there's going to be a pretty, pretty, I would say a pretty big football game. I, I don't know about y'all. It's just the number two Clemson Tigers heading into College Station in hey. that dreaded stadium. <laughs> yeah. Anytime college game day is there, it's big. Yeah. It, it is going to be, I mean, it's going to be a madhouse there in College Station. Uh, if I know anything about Texas A&M, y'all can dog all you dog them on all you want. The fan base is going to go raucous. Absolutely. Yeah. Coming Saturday. It's mostly uh, Clemson coming in, they have it's a, a Colts. <laughs> Clemson coming in, they have a pretty good quarterback. Their D line, every single one of them are first round picks in the NFL draft. I mean, they're up there. Um, but at the same time, the Aggies have a pretty good team this year. They have a young, they have a young quarterback coming out of high school. Was one of the top dual threat guys in the nation. They have a lot of really athletic guys on the defensive side of the ball. They have playmakers at wide receiver. It's going to be an intriguing game. Um, now, of course, I lean a and I grew up a big Aggie fan. I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, Should be. <laughs> well, you can keep saying that. Should be. Will. <laughs> but, the, but the Aggies, um, a lot of people, I've seen some really mixed reviews from around national media. Some people think that Aggies are going to present, present a pretty good challenge for Clemson, a good early season test. Uh, other people think that the Tigers are just going to walk through them like butter. Curious to get y'all's takes before I give you mine. Brandon, you and I might get into a date debate here, which would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Personally, I, I see the Aggies losing by about 10, 10 to, 10 to 14. Um, I don't think they're going to get blown out of the water like everyone, like a lot of people have predicted they would. Um, I think they have the front four to really give Clemson some trouble. If there's a, if there's a question mark on the Clemson team, it's on their line. And I think Landis Durham, who was the leader in the SEC in sacks a year ago, can make, can make some damage. Uh, they have an explosive offense when it's clicking. Travion Williams is one of the best backs in the in the country. He's explosive and he's quick. I think this it's it's a game that can. I'm not going to say catch Clemson off guard, but I don't. I just think Clemson has to realize that this isn't going to be a cakewalk, and it's going to be a pretty competitive game down there in College Station. Uh, I want to get y'all's thoughts. I'll go ahead and go reverse this time, Ethan. What are oh. you thinking going into this game? Um. It feels like every year uh, Texas A&M has a point to prove, doesn't it? Like every year they come out and like it's. It's always like the national media is kind of like, oh, you got Texas A&M and the SEC and stuff, and it, they don't seem – a lot of times, like, they rank them pretty low and stuff. And, and like, the hype, you know, John, of course, Johnny Manziel, golden season, you know, when that was all car occurring. But, like, since then, it's just seemed like they're not taking us seriously on the national level. And I think – I mean, of course, they come out win this game, beat number two in the country. That's, that's a <laughs> – that shut up everybody uh, immediately. Well, and, and even then, they have Alabama coming in in yeah. two weeks. So they yeah. have such a rough yeah, that's schedule. A tough, that's they, a tough it's schedule. It's real tough. Um, but I think uh, A&M, what, what they need to do in this game is um, they, they just need to focus, you know, of course, uh, take it one step by step. You're saying the front four um, could give them one hell of a, one hell of a fight. And, uh, you know, Cle- Clemson, Clemson every year – has those players, you know, every year, always filling in those players. Um, they're, a lot, they're a lot like Alabama, you know, there's always somebody there that's going to jump up, catch it with one hand, bring it down, and do a somersault in the back, back of the end zone. Um, so Texas A&M, you know, I know that, what is it, they, did they get the new coach this year? Last Jimbo year? Fisher Jimbo is Fisher. his first year there. First yeah. year, first year. And so um, he comes out and, you know, he beats a team like this. That's like, it'd be people to be talking about Texas A&M for a while. It'd be a statement. Uh Brendan is getting his his statement ready. What are you thinking? <laughs> when you look at more into this, the history of Jimbo Fisher and Dabo Sweeney, they're both coming from the ACC conference. They're three and three against each other actually over the past six years. Actually, four and four. I'm sorry, they played eight times. So four and four. So they've tied. 
that's when you know earlier in the 2010s uh fsu was definitely a better team they james winston stuff like that clemson start coming on until about 2013 2014 ish uh really 2015 is when they had the senior they went to national championship clemson devil's Sweeney had beat jimbo swisher three straight years 2015 16 17 uh that could be a reason Jimbo Fisher is not employed anymore in the state of Florida because Dabo Sweeney came in and started dominating the conference okay, three let, straight let, years. Let, 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 let me make this clear. Jimbo Fisher wasn't getting fired at Florida State. He chose this job. He, he wasn't getting pushed out of Florida State. Yeah, I, I don't know. He, he kind of lost some support, especially, if, I mean, it was Florida State you, you, you have, uh, they, they had to reschedule a game that was rained out so they could get their sixth win and become bowl eligible. So they were six and six. Or, and they, they win the bowl game, they might have went seven and six. I don't know. They might, I actually think they lost the bowl game. They went six and seven. But yeah, that, that's how desperate they were last year just to keep the nation's longest uh, consecutive bowl streak alive. Uh, so I think there's but there, there's a history between the two coaches. There could be some resentment. I just don't think AM has. AM does have talent, but Clemson talent is it's, it's just higher. Clemson's, Clemson's been to the playoffs three straight years. They went to the national championship back to back years. They beat Alabama in one of those. Uh, granted, it was Deshaun Watson. Kelly Bryant's no slouch. He was pretty good last year. Uh, they also had Wayne Gallman. In the backfield for uh, Clemson a couple years ago, they they did have players. Uh, what's his name? Mike Williams, the Chargers receiver. They had all kinds of players. It's it's just for me. Clemson's just going to be a little. It's just, they're just too much. Uh, I think they're, their their offensive firepower is too much. I don't trust A&M's quarterbacks, uh, Kellen Mond, enough yet. I like Nick Starkle a lot more personally as an Aggie fan. But it, it, the big thing, the big thing is they're at such different points in in a program right now. I mean, Clemson is at the point where they're they're at their top right now. They're they're annual contenders, and Jimbo Fisher is in his first year at AM. He's just now starting to build that program. So, even if let's say let's say Clemson wins pretty well, it's hard to like. It's hard to really hold that against AM this early. I mean, oh, absolutely, because it, it, you're playing a top. You're playing a top five team in the nation, especially in this case, you know, top three. And your first, the second game mad, is the team. Yeah, I'm not upset. I'm not upset when you lose to that team, especially if you expect to lose. But it depends how they perform. Is AM gonna? get ran out of their own field or are they going to compete and you know and make, have it a game going to the second half fourth quarter this feels like a very similar um situation to win harbaugh came to michigan because uh like whenever harbaugh came to michigan everyone was like you know give him give him a couple years you know he rebuilds and stuff and then their first season they they went out and they won i think they lost in like three games i think three or four and so they really came out and they beat they beat some top teams they really showed themselves out there and so i think jimbo fisher is somebody who has that same kind of effect where you know he comes in um, he's a high-grade coach, you know, boost recruiting, get, get guys rallied around you, get the media rallied around you, and, you know, he'll, he can come out. And I think, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to come out and beat Clemson, you know, but I think they're definitely going to um, put up a fight. Well, I personally believe the most impressive coach to come in was uh, probably Lincoln Riley because he led his team all the way to the playoffs last year. And uh, that's pretty – He inherited the Heisman. Come on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they inherited plus, a really you good look at, team. You look at a team like Oklahoma, they have, like – Probably one of the best players in the country. Obviously, they got now Trevion Williams for Texas A&M. He's definitely. I agree with Reed. He's one of the best backs out there. But I do not think he's better than Rodney Anderson. He's definitely. He's up for Heisman this year. So uh, watch out for that. But I think against Clemson, Texas A&M, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by chance. But I do. I don't, I'm not saying I do know, but I do believe that Clemson can. Uh, well, not can they? Chances are they will beat Texas A&M. I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's hands down. Clemson. You look at their recruiting class; it's one of the top in the nation. They have really good players, and A and M really has good recruits too. But yeah, yeah, A and M has a lot of good recruits. But like, if you just look at Clemson, their offense is just too much. Just like what Brendan said, too much for A uh, and M to handle, and they just have too much firepower. They've had firepower for a long time now, and uh, 
It's just, I mean, they're going to play them at home, obviously, but I just think that Clemson is just a little bit too much for Texas A&M. Give, and A&M, I think they'll put up a fight at least. Give me Clemson, 37, A&M, 23. That's fair. Yeah. I, I have it more like 34-28. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I think it's going to be a competitive game. But moving on to some NFL talk. Uh, some national talk. We have a couple things we're going to cover in the NFL. I don't want to spend too much time on this, guys. We are getting a little long. Uh, uh, but I do want to – there's a couple things I want to just talk through. I mean, there's a lot going on. Well, here we are, one game down already, and there's still so much drama. Um, I don't count that first game. It's too ugly. So <laughs> we, will, we'll, we will mention that uh, before we close things out. Le'Veon Bell oh with Pittsburgh still hasn't – <laughs> come to the field. All Ethan we hear, as you, Ethan, he, Ethan Hunt uh, just got up his first round pick in his fantasy first team. First round pick in my fantasy, uh, my fantasy draft. Also, uh, I'm a huge Steelers fan, so it's very frustrating. Um, yeah, I'm just going to keep letting you go. I mean, the offensive linemen have even come out and said things against yeah. Le'Veon Bell. The only guy in that entire Pittsburgh situation that seems to be with him is Antonio Brown. Uh-huh. What are your as a Steelers fan, which I didn't know you were. Yep. Where where are you sitting right now? I mean, just not only in the Le'Veon Bell situation, but as a, where are the Steelers right now as a whole? Okay, so I think I'm I'm gonna look at Le'Veon Bell not not showing up. Um, say he doesn't show up till what was it like week ten or something that they said he had to be there. Um, I think the Steelers' offense will be okay. Um, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, we had a great line. Ben, you know Ben Ben's a little old, but you know he he can still sling it no problem. Um, and Connor. A lot of people are talking about Connor uh, just being next back and stuff, and I think I think Connor could be a good option for that. Um, He's an every down back for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now, as a Steelers fan, what I want to do is is just oh, I hate you, you know, oh, like why aren't you playing for us and stuff? But it's hard not to understand a situation because I mean, how many times have we seen in the past where a guy gets hurt, a guy you know say he does play this year, um, blows out his knee, gets hurt, um, he's out for a couple years or whatever, his contract's over. Then he's a release free agent, and nobody's gonna pick him up, you know. And he, then he's not making money. He's got an injury, and he's got he's got to work his work himself back up to it. And so I can understand where he's at that with the money. Um, but yeah, but I think overall the Steelers are gonna be okay. Um, we have a good defense. Um, we are we've really built up our secondary with our a uh, couple of picks, and I think I think we're gonna be okay. But it sucks not to have Bell with us because Bell. I mean, he's. The, he's- the best back in the yeah. league. I think a yeah. lot of people would agree with that. And the only guys that are even competing are guys like Todd Gurley and Zeke Elliott. So mm-hmm. um, it, anytime you lose a guy like that, you're going to feel it. Exactly. Uh, James Conner, he might be able to at least alleviate that pain, but I don't think he's ever going to feel that. He's not going to feel that production. No. That, oh, no, there's no way. No, that's a different level. Mark, what are, what are your thoughts on the situation? Well, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, I just think he just wants – what he, what he personally believes, and I mean, it's, that's a tough blow. That's definitely, a, definitely a tough blow for Ste- for the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Feel bad for Ethan, but it's not, it's not like, it's not really, it's not a done deal yet, is it? Or no, so he's not gone. He's just yes. refusing to sign. So if he doesn't show up Saturday at four p.m. Saturday before Saturday four p.m., he doesn't show up to. Um, I'm assuming Steelers <laughs> training facility, Steelers practice. Um, he forfeits almost 900k. He forfeits over 900k. 900k per game. Um, he won't play, so he he's gonna be. I think so. I really I think it's week ten that he has to show up based on his con like contract or based on league rules or something like that. And so he's out like seven eight million dollars if he doesn't show up to those games. But I mean at that point like he's making that statement. Well I think what I think is gonna happen. We're playing the Browns first. Um, 
So Connor, I think Connor can run all over the Browns. I think that can happen. Um, no, I don't know. That Cleveland defense has gotten a lot better over the past few years. Stop being hypnotized by hard knocks, look, okay? Every, yeah, every year, every year, people are like, ooh, Cleveland, you know, <laughs> they changed it up again this year. Let's see. And oh, they didn't year, change it up. They just have the same defense they had last year. And the defense wasn't the issue last year. It was the offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, still, I last uh, last year we ran all over Cleveland, and everyone else did ran over, over Cleveland. Now, could they be a better team? Sure, they can, but I still think the Steelers are, are have the ability to run all over Cleveland. Um, yeah, but I think I think if Connor comes out and puts up really good numbers and stuff, uh, I think Steelers fans are gonna be like a little more at ease. Um, but I mean, is that gonna draw Bell out of hiding? I don't think no. so. No. Well, Connor, he's definitely capable of being a yeah, you know, a pro, all pro player. So Cleveland was the seventh best team in stopping the run last year. Don't tell me you're gonna run all over Cleveland. I think we can run over Cleveland. I think we did it last year. I don't care. I, mean, I don't. I don't care what you. It's kind of hard to say. That's kind of hard to say. I don't. I don't care if you're the seventh best run. No, you. You went zero and sixteen. You're gonna pass all over him, but you're not gonna run all over him. I'm sorry. But anyway, I, I want to get back on the Steelers. Think about the kind of mess within the organization lately. So we've seen turmoil kind of with oh, yeah. Mike Tomlin, with Mike Tomlin and stuff, and. He's always. It kind of seems like even though the Steelers get you know AFC playoffs of the year, he's still kind of a hot seat candidate every year. Uh, last year, you have all the anthem stuff, and the Steelers say we're going to stay in the team as we're going to stay in the locker room as a team. Uh, Phil Nueva comes out. He's a veteran, granted. Yeah. He comes out and he stands out there on the field by himself. There's a little uh, you know dividing right there within the team. Now you get dividing right here with we didn't hear it all from the Steelers teammates until this week. We hear the linemen. Villanueva, Ramon Foster, Marquise Pouncey, uh, all really good linemen saying, hey, you know, we're out here doing this for the team, doing that, doing this. Where are you? Yeah, where are you at? But then you get Antonio Brown, you know, probably good buddies with Bell, yeah. uh, saying he supports him. Uh, yeah. The Steelers supported. Let's not forget, Le'Veon Bell has been, a, in his time with the Steelers, he's been arrested. He's been suspended twice. So he's had his allegations. Yep. It's not like he's, you know, a perfect player uh, or a perfect human. None of us are. And just... I'm kind of back and forth with is it really him turning his back on his team after all, all of his team's done for him or is it looking out for him or for best which I get to a degree but how you know how big of a degree is it well just, according to ESPN that's his ultimate goal is to be a free agent so I, I just think that that what his teammates did I do think that was inappropriate to come out and talk like that about your teammate and I, but I, why though I mean you're like well we're here working our butts off well, I get Are you really committed to the team? I think that's what they're saying. I, I'm not really – I'm actually all for it. So they're saying he's dragging see, behind or – See, what I did – I mean, I, like my opinion on it at first was like that. And then I, I read a lot of articles from former players and a lot of what former players reacted and how there's an understanding in the league that you that you need to get a contract. You need to get paid. Like it's a business first. And that's 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 what it looks – I mean, if this was college ball, I'd be like oh, 100% be like, that guy needs to show up. Why is he not showing up, you know? Because um, it's a lot more team-oriented. But here in the NFL, it is a business. It is multimillionaire business, you know. And so I, I can understand why people are, are upset, but I can also understand why why Le'Veon Bell is doing what he's doing. Um, but, yeah, so I think I think overall the statements were, were rough. And I, I do like – I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Um, uh, one of the – I think it was um, – oh, I can't remember his name – but he photoshopped Le'Veon Bell. Uh, there's a picture of everyone, all of the Steelers players, like photoshopped with money bags in their hands, like with money bags in their hands, and it had Le'Veon Bell with the crying Jordan face, like in the middle. And it was like, it kind of like allowed a little bit more. 
comedy to that situation. But, I mean, is it going to split the team? I, I, I don't think so. So what, two more of the NFL things. We're going to blow through these pretty quickly. Um, one of them Dallas Cowboys related, the other just NFL related. We're going to start with the uh, Khalil Mack trade Ooh. from Oakland to Chicago. Someone else who got paid. Another money situation. Mm-hmm. Who's the winner here? I mean, obviously Chicago's winning in some way. I mean, they give away two first-round picks for a defensive superstar, uh, a guy who's up there with Vaughn Miller, that type of guy. Um did give up a big haul for him, a haul that Oakland, who's a pretty good drafting team, could definitely use to restock in the future. I still think Oakland's a team that is two or three players away from being very good. They have they have a good quarterback. They have their star receiver, Namari Cooper. Uh, they had a pretty good running back in Latavius Murray. I still don't understand why they let him go. But um, What are your thoughts on that trade? Does that make Chicago a threat in the NFC North, or are they still stuck behind Minnesota? Oh, they're definitely stuck behind Minnesota. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, there's a big threshold there. Chicago definitely going to be better. I've I've I, I bought into the Chicago hype train a little bit ago. I like Mitchell Trubisky. I could see them lot, winning nine games. A, a lot of people probably don't like Trubisky yet, but he almost similar to a Texas State quarterback. He's limited a lot last year. He didn't mm-hmm. come on until late. They had him sit behind Glenn for a little bit, and they didn't give him full reins of the offense yet. Uh, also, mainly he didn't have weapons. <laughs> you you couldn't name me really a Chicago yeah. receiver. I'm looking forward. They have a rookie, Anthony Miller, out of Memphis. He can be really good for them. Uh, they picked up uh, Allen Robinson from the Jaguars. They pick up Trey Burton from uh, Philly, guy from the Philly special through the touchdown Super Bowl. So they got some guys offensively. They still have Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, and defensively, they were a solid defensive team last year. That's what they draft. They get Khalil Mack. They drafted uh, the Georgia linebacker a couple years ago. They signed Kendall Fuller to a big deal. It's just they're still, I feel like, a few pieces away, especially offensively. And really, it's going to take a lot right now to build a team that's all around as good or better than the Vikings because they are at especially every, with Kirk Cousins being at, there. Now. At, at, at every position, they're and good. Return. They're, they're they're at least a B at every position. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to take Chicago a while to get there. And with the Packers, it doesn't matter what they throw out there. They still have a guy named Aaron Rodgers who's going to have them uh, contending. It's really awesome how the Bears have slowly been. Building and building and building. I mean, getting away from that Jake uh, Cutler period. I, I, love, I love the new Chicago, coach. Um, <laughs> Matt Nagy. Getting away from that. And um, Khalil Mack, I think he's a, he's a huge signing. You can definitely build a defense around Khalil Mack 100%. Um, also, like, I mean, I'm sure his jersey sales spike too. You, know, you, got, you got Bears fans coming out, coming to see Khalil Mack, you know, hit hit the crap out of somebody. Um but um, I think I agree, I think I agree with you. Like they're they're gonna be they're gonna be like a nine, maybe maybe ten. Are they possibly a wild card? I, 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 I think they're. I think they're. Uh, I think we'll it's see. more seven eight. I feel like we we'll have to wait that one out. I, I think eight's the cap. Them going five hundred. I try try to think who was wild card last season uh, in the NFC. The Falcons were wild card team, and the Panthers. And the Panthers. <laughs> both very good teams. <laughs> All right, uh, time to hit home a little bit, especially for you, Brendan. You and I, we're both Cowboys fans. Um, Dan Bailey <laughs> was cut this past week Ooh. for Rick Meyer, who's going to get that kicking job. Uh, Rico Gathers made the roster. What are some of your thoughts on how the Dallas Cowboys roster is shaping up? Yeah, I don't get this whole, don't we cut Dan Bailey, but keep Rico Gathers. One, they play different positions. You don't carry two kickers anyway. No, for sure. Two, yeah, we love Dan Bailey, fan favorite. Last, my, he's, he's He was my mom's pretty much favorite player. And actually, this past Christmas, I got her a Dan Bailey Cowboys shirt. I'm a little upset. Uh, <laughs> she said she's going to wear it proudly. Uh, but ever since his injury... Uh, he hasn't been the same kicker. He, last year, he's 29th in field goal efficiency. 29th. He's still he's getting paid like a top kicker. 
So I kind of understand. I would have, you know, also would have understood us cutting him and then re-signing him because you can do that in football. You can be cheap like that if, he, if a, he was willing to take a lesser deal. It must have been a financial decision more than anything. It's it exactly what it was. It was financial. He was, this past season, he did not give you what he was being paid. It was simple as that. So I understand. Rico Gathers, we kept him on the roster, and then the next day he got arrested. It's not like he got arrested, then they kept him on the roster. Uh, but at the same time, Cowboys don't have a tight end. We have uh, Jeff Swaim, who's has like 10 career catches, and it's just a blocking guy out of Texas. They draft Blake Jarwin out of Oklahoma. He's a rookie. Oklahoma Schultz. State. Oklahoma State. Uh, they got the kid from Stanford, too, Schultz. 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 I don't, uh, don't y'all have uh, Rico Gathers? Uh, what's his name? He's He came from Colorado State. Michael Gallup? You, Michael yeah, Gallup, the receiver. Yeah. He's supposed uh, to be pretty good, apparently. Yeah, pe- people keep, you know, oh, Cowboys receivers are not going to be good. I'm not worried about that. They're going to be all right. Uh, yeah, exactly. They're going to be fine. Uh but I get it, and I, I'm just mainly excited. I'm telling people it's going to be a different Cowboys kind of philosophy. Uh, they're still going to be run first, all that. Uh, but for once, we're not going to say, oh, no, our defense is coming out in the field. The defense is legit. Not It's not, it's not a top-five defense, no. Top it, but it's a good defense. Okay. They have a pass rush now. They have a front Secondary four. looked really good, and they were all rookies a year ago. If if, if they cannot suspend Randy Gregory for once, because he looked great in preseason, uh, David Irving comes back up to four games back in the middle. Tyron Crawford, Demarcus Lawrence, who almost won defense player of the year last year, uh, was like I believe, second in the NFC in sacks. I believe uh, Crawford might be in Jacksonville now. That's Jack. Jack Crawford is in Crawford. Atlanta. Tyron Crawford's still in the middle. Uh, okay, that was my mistake. Linebacker and core, you still have Sean Lee. Jalen Smith's been progressing incredibly. Uh, Leighton Vander S. I don't know what to think of him yet, but he was a first round pick. Dallas likes him, so I'm just gonna wait and see. And like you said, secondary looking a lot better. Uh, one thing we're down safeties right now. Xavier Woods supposed to start. He got hurt. I do his, like Jeff Heath a lot. His backup, I'm a big Jeff Heath fan. His backup, Kevon Frazier. He got hurt. Apparently, we heard the other day we offered the Cowboys offered a second round pick for Earl Thomas. They Previously, know. they offered a third. Now we upped it to a second. Seattle's still saying no. So we're still kind of waiting on there. But I'm excited. Uh, a couple weeks ago, preseason game against Arizona. Chris Collinsworth was talking up, talking up Chidobia Wuzie as being a big time corner, and I like Wuzie. I want to see if he can, you know, prove it. Because if he was high on him, he has all the physical tangibles. Byron Jones has gone back from corner to safety, back to corner now. I think that's where he fits better too. I, I, I'm excited. I'm I guess one heck of an athlete, in my opinion. For, for once, I'm not going to be like oh, our defense can't do it. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm trusting our defense. Makes it plays. It, it's going to be different. As as a Cowboys fan, I'm assuming you're a Cowboys fan, yes. and you're a Cowboys <laughs> fan, Reed. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, Establish that. Yeah, sorry. I was just making sure. Um, I think, so, I mean, so you had that season, right, where you had um, Tony Romo go down, you had Dak come in, you had that, that deep run, uh, you went to the playoffs, you know, uh, you lost to the Packers. Um, and then you had this next season where Zeke was out how many games? Like six. Six, six, six yeah. games. And then you, you – and it, and it Still was, was like, like top ten rushing. What, they, yeah, go, what yeah. they go, two and four in that stretch, yeah, something yeah. like and, that? And it felt – it was kind of like, you know, like he came in too late, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, are you – this year, are you a team that's a challenger for the play, for playoffs or, or even a Super Bowl challenger? Are you – or do you think you need I, another season to rebuild those positions? I think – I think uh, this the other day my roommate went through wins losses. I think they're a ten-win team. I think they're which, 10 or 11 as well. Which could, could get you wild card, depending, you know, Eagles didn't look great last night. Yeah. That they continue that. Because they said Carson Wentz is going to miss a few weeks now. They didn't say Carson Wentz is going to miss one week. They said he's going to miss several. So they could lose a couple of games early. I don't know what the schedule looks like. Maybe that's enough to get you division. Maybe something get you wild card at least. I, you know, I can see the Cowboys in playoffs. But once again, it's a stacked NFC. So it will be tough. But I think they're a 10-win team. So you think they're how, – uh, how many steps below do you think they are from the 2016 season? See, the 2016 season was 
I wouldn't call it a fluke. I mean, it was just you know an outlier. To be honest, here, what if I compared it? Twenty fourteen as you well. Could, you, you could compare it to the Houston no, Astros. The Houston yeah. Astros had the 2015 year, where they had a bunch of young guys, somehow made the playoffs, was this close to advancing, and then the next year they kind of they I don't want to say regressed, but they played back to what their norm was. I think with where they were at. Mm-hmm. Then the very next year they added a couple more players. And made the big step, and all of a sudden the World Series champs. So I'm not saying just that Dallas is going to win a Super Bowl, but I think this is the year we see them take a step forward and become a legit contender in that division. Yeah, and Dallas is a lot, like too often been plagued by inconsistency. When it comes Absolutely, to and I think and I think season. this is the year Zeke and Dak both are there all year long. They put together some solid things. I think Connor Williams shows that he's an NFL lineman. So I think this is the year it all comes together, and the next year is the year we can really consider ourselves a Super Bowl contender. That's yeah. going to do it for us today here on Texas State Spit Talk. It was a great show, guys. I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys did too. Um, a lot of good things happening at KTSW, not just Texas State Spit Talk. Of course, uh, you can catch pretty much any kind of football Fridays and Saturdays. San Marcos usually on Fridays. Of course, next week for you Rattlers we got, fans. We got the official green light. It's on. We are driving to Laredo t- to broadcast that game. That game will go live pregame 645, kickoff Ooh, 7 o'clock. San Marcos Rattlers <laughs> United. Uh, next week, Texas State will be playing UTSA. Uh, is that Make, ne- Making that road trip to the Alamo Dome. Yeah, better be there for that one. That'll be Saturday. Uh, we will be broadcasting that one as well. Don't forget to catch Bobcat Radio Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 o'clock. You can get great interviews and really in-depth stuff on that show. That is on KTSW 89.9. This has been another episode of Tech State Spit Talk. Again, we will be going live every Friday. So make sure you keep, keep an eye out and keep an ear out for this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.